Hey, it's your host, Ben. You're getting ready to listen to a really fun episode about the Who and Who's Next with Mark Bryant from Hootie and the Blowfish. Fair warning, Mark's internet wasn't the greatest. Therefore, you're going to hear a couple spots on the recording where he either buffers or he completely drops off. I did my best to salvage this this recording, but uh, I, I'm just letting you know if, if you are looking for crystal clear quality audio, this is not your episode. However, I think the fun conversation that occurs here hopefully outweighs all of the technical issues that we had. I probably spent more time on this episode editing than I have any other episode that we've done in the course of our nearly 200 episodes. So here we go. Cue up the music. Hope you enjoy it. Episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who's going to tip his hat to the new Constitution and take a bow for the new revolution. He's the man who won't get fooled again. Here's my co-host from the Love Coast, Wayne Fugate. Ah, hola, Benjamin. For this episode, we have a very special guest. He's a member of the band we celebrated recently on our Cracked Rear View episode. He's part of Hootie and the Blowfish. Besides making music with the band, he's also released a number of records under his own name. His most recent record is called Midlife Priceless. Please welcome to the podcast, Mark Bryan. Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me. How much fun this is going to be. This is going to be a blast. And last but not least, here's Jeff. <laughs> I'm back. I've come back again to taunt and torment uh, uh, Wayne mostly. Yeah. So I'm here. I'm ready to have a good time. And I'm excited to, excited to talk to Mark. Perfect. All right. Premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music. But as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. I'm going to start with Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing? Oh, you know what? I was digging through the closet, and I found a shirt I have not worn. It's from the 70s. It's British. It's a little bit of T-Rex. Excellent. Excellent. You have not worn that. I'm surprised. You've pretty much worn 190 shirts throughout this uh, podcast history, so good on you, man. All right. It's not easy. No. (laughs) All right, Mark, how about you? What T-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a shirt uh, that says hope is a hunger that hate can't control. And it's a line from a song that I recently wrote with the Paul Williams um, uh, in in. Excellent. Yeah, I got I got to he's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer and I got to write with him. And uh, and we were writing a song in tribute to Rosa Parks. Uh And and that line that line came out. Hope is a hunger that hate can't control. Love it. Nice. All right, Jeff, how about you? What T-shirt are you wearing? Uh, well, the quote, Jeremy Piven from uh, uh, one of our favorite films, I'm going to be that guy, and I am wearing my group therapy Hootie and the Blowfish uh, T-shirt from the tour in uh, June of 2019. I saw him at the Hollywood Bowl. It was amazing. 
Love it. Very good. Love it. The t-shirt Love it so much, man. Had, Thank uh, you. From back when we saw him in, what, 94, 95, those wouldn't fit anymore. <laughs> that, yeah, that 94 t-shirt um, was part of the great t-shirt purge of 2003, if you remember. We've talked about that a few times, yeah. Wayne. So. Yeah, well, I just can't. I mean, just to piggyback off of what Jeff just said, I can't believe I used to wear a medium. Like I don't even <laughs> doesn't even doesn't even make sense to me anymore. No, no. All right. Well, I'm wearing a new T-shirt, so I'm I'm just getting back from from vacay, and I'm wearing my uh, Johnson Space Center T-shirt from Houston, Houston, Texas. We uh, we we took a little detour and went and did the tour there. So um, I'm not being that guy, Jeff. Because <laughs> If you remember, I did wear a hoodie shirt for the Cracked Review episode that we did. So I've already worn my yeah, hoodie. Yeah, we've, tr- we've, tr- we've traded off. We've traded off. We so. did. We did. So, so, Mark, we're recording this, I guess, uh, a week or two after you all announced the Getaway to Mexico Hootie Fest. Great lineup. Yes. A um, bunch, of, bunch of our old buddies from the 90s. Very cool. Obviously, that was geared towards people who don't have kids in college. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's probably for the empty nesters. Yes. Yeah, yeah. These, I'm not uh, sure how these promoters in Mexico work down there. They got a crazy formula going, but um, I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah, Jeff was just saying. So we could do a week of the Wilco thing, and then what is it? The following week is Hootie Fest. It's the following week, man. We could just we could just hang out down there. We do Wilco. Yeah, just live in Mexico. Uh, yeah. Wilco, January 17th through 21st, their fest, Sky Blue Sky, and then you just head right into the, the Hootie Fest. I, this lineup is insane. It is. Very and uh, the, Toe, to- better than Ezra? Yeah. Crazy. Blues Travel? Yeah. Spin Doctors? Yeah, it's great. And then um, I think the Avet Brothers are going to be doing one also the same weekend as us, like up the beach a little bit. So you're right. I mean, you just go down there and hang out. You can't miss. Yeah. I might have to talk to my wife about uh, refinancing the house. <laughs> hey, what, do I need, what do I need to sell? Do I need to sell my car? Is that what I need to do? A, a, a kidney? Yeah. Oh yeah, do for both. sure. Both. Kidney. Don't tell her I said that. All right. So, so Mark, we spent a few hours gushing about cracked review. We did an episode recently. Um, some people on Thank the you. socials were 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 still like, "Nah, I ain't listening to that episode." Um, I don't think they wanted us to sway them from their crappy opinions of not liking the album. Look, we're on record. It's one of our favorite albums. Um, It's a road trip record for my family. We just got done doing a road trip. Uh, We listened to Cracked Review. Uh, We listened uh, to, um, to, to... Lucky, we listened to, to, to Fairweather Johnson. I, I, we, we spent way too much time listening to you. Um, <laughs> when, when did you realize 90s that people were kind of hating on Hootie? Well, first of all, thank you for digging in and listening. We put a lot of time into those records, like them or hate them. So it means a lot yeah. when somebody takes the time to dig in and listen. So thank you. And um, I, I think uh, when I first... It, when it first hit me that how we're just a frat band, you know, it was uh, kind of that was like on a national level, one of the, the big sort of right at the beginning of where it started the backlash begun, you know. Um, and then I think you know, Tr- Trent Reznor said something pretty uncool in Rolling Stone about us or something like that. And, you know, 
again, like Sir Hades, I think the the respect was due and still is. And, you know, so I'm just, I just keep doing my thing. And, and as a band, we do the same and try not to worry about that and try to focus on what got us there in the first place, which was the hard work and being a really good band. I think that that was one of the big takeaways. And, and Jeff and Wayne, you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but one of our big takeaways from doing the deep dive was you guys were not just a frat band. Like there was, there's some social commentary going on, on a couple of those. Absolutely. Those songs. Drowning in particular, you know, drowning, yeah. definitely, definitely. Um, and like I said, I was, I, I listened to looking for lucky recently. Um, State your peace. Um, one love free to everyone there's some social commentary going on there so it's not, it's not for a, sure yeah you're not, you're not. so so how do you how do you help people to go um they're more than just a frat band or do you just not care at this point i mean i i, I have to not care yeah if you know that you're making great music and that you have something stay on that path and that's what i've been trying to do i feel like the album i just put out the one you mentioned earlier midlife priceless um is is uh, the, are the best songs i've ever written and i feel like it's possible that my best song is still ahead of me you know and so i still write with the hunger that i did when i was a teenager and just starting to do it and so i'm not really worried about uh the people that don't get it i'm trying to affect the people that do and that and that and that get something out of the music just like i get out of my favorite music you know ultimately i i want to i still i still want to write an album as great as who's next and and knock people's socks off you know i I still uh believe in rock and roll and the the ability to change people with music and and so that's what i'm focused on you know, yeah. yeah. When when you when you talk about the ability to change people with music, Mark, I mean that that's what stuck out. One of the things we discussed heavily on the episode was exactly that: is that you know you guys were you had the music video, you're running around with the ESPN anchors and athletes, and it looks like a lot of fun. But again, you have a song like "Drowning" that you know in '94, big acts like you and pop pop acts or whatever you wanted to be called or you know college radio or anything like that weren't talking about a lot of these sorts of things like you would hear, like like, like you would hear in "Drowning." It, Bold at the time, and um, and and that was when the state house uh, f- thing was going on in South Carolina with the flag, and and um, it was it, there was definitely something needed to be said. You're right. It, that, that's when we started to step out of just being a college man, you know. Which is awesome because I thought you guys were really fitting in some messaging that uh, it's sort of you. It's like you inceptioned it and snuck it in under the radar of, <laughs> of good time rock and roll. But there were there you guys were saying some pretty cool stuff and some important stuff that. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for noting. All right, so let's let's talk uh, let's talk solo record. So um, Ari mentioned uh, just got done with a road trip. It's a great road trip record, Mark. Thank you. We 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 listened to it a couple times over the, over the last week. The family also enjoyed it. Um, yeah, thanks, man. Really, really dug a little more rock and roll. So um, <laughs> little 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 commentary on uh, the state of the music world right now. I mean, it kind of uh, the the way that song was written is the best story. It's it, I actually didn't write that song. So okay. There's a there's a guy named Stephen Fiore who's a phenomenal songwriter here in South Carolina, and uh, he has a band called Young Mister. If you haven't heard of them, dig in, you will love it. But he also is kind of indie. Yep. Young Mister is definitely sort of an indie thing, but he has the stealth to 
for Hootie to to release a single, our label said to us, we, we need something more country than what you guys are doing. And we're not really a country band, you know, but we'll... But Stephen Fiore had sent me a little more rock and roll. Really struck me yeah. as an incredible song. And it spoke to me, and in my mind, it spoke to our fans really well. So I decided to cut it myself. So thanks for asking. Yeah. I really dug Imperfect Circle. In fact, um, I, I'm probably going to say Miss California might be in my top really five. Dig Thank you. Yeah, I really, like, uh, really dig that one too, man. Thanks for saying. And and I'm glad that you guys didn't go the, the straight-up country thing because you could you could have cashed in a little bit more on that and, and maybe got some, some play on, on the country stations with trying to go that route. But I, I felt like you guys stayed true to... You know the the what you guys do. Yeah, we try to. You know, we we try to do that, and, and we're working with the same label that Darius works with in country. So, it, but we did. We tried to stay true to what we do, and it, 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 to me, it still sounds like a hootie album. It sounds like a great one. All right, uh, Wayne, you get a chance to listen to Mark's record. I did. I I love the the opening tracks, like both of them. Uh, that especially got to get out of town has a real yeah, buddy like uh, late late seventies early eighties like arena rock like a real Jay Giles kind of Boston uh, really get the crowd going uh, nice. and then a little more rock and roll great song thank um, you I say and your voice I don't know if I'm the only one to hear this but there's a little Tom Petty in there like if anybody has a tribute uh, Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers tribute band they should look you up uh, I had that same thought. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. I've never heard that one before. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, it feels like you could cover you feels like you could cover Petty. That was that was what I was thinking as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean we definitely have we I, I think definitely have a little bit of grind on my voice like him for sure. Yeah. Mike Campbell and Benmont to uh, to 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 do some stuff for you for your next solo record, Mark. Mike Campbell is one of my idols. Oh, 
It's amazing. Mm. One of ours too. All right. Yeah, mine too. Um, so, so Mark, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. Who's next? Potentially the greatest rock record of all time. It's right up there. It's it it's definitely up there. Were were there any other records that you thought about, or were you like, nope, we're gonna go? Who's next? Abbey Road is pretty pretty high for me, and Revolver are both really high up there for me um, as far as album. Um, yeah, I I someone someone else asked me recently to make a list of my top ten albums, and it ended up being a top twenty list. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, man. It's hard, you know. But um, the, those were some honorable. Closing time is in my top five. Okay. You know, Boston's first album is. Yes, we have. Um, yeah. You know. I mean, just the list goes on, but uh, but who's next somehow registers to me in a way that that nothing else does. Very good. Um, all right, so we're just excited because look, we've done over 190 episodes already. This is our first Who episode. Um, we just got got uh, done a couple weeks ago recording our first Rolling Stones episode, so we are. Um, we're definitely digging into some of the the classic rock stuff. I'm glad we're 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 getting to it. Um, so so bio info on this. So fifth studio album from the Who, released in August of 1971. This is the follow up to Tommy. You guys realize that this is like sandwiched in between Tommy and Quadrophenia. Yeah, and this was supposed to be another you know opera concept album. Yeah, you know, it was it was right there. It was going to be another one of that, and it just kind of just didn't didn't kind of come together the way that they wanted it to. Yes, so. Lifehouse, Lifehouse, Life and uh, yeah. and and it, it's um, I, I always I've read about that, and it it's fascinating, and I it, it makes you, it almost makes you glad that it didn't come together just the way the album came out. Um, and, and that like Tommy and Quaterfini are amazing in that in that way. I like the I like listening to his next without there being a thread necessarily. I like trying to listen for the thread in it too, but I I like that there doesn't have to be one there. It's just so, everything stands on its own so well in that album. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I loved I love Tommy. Uh, love Tommy. Tommy uh, Tommy's been fantastic. Love Tommy too. Love Tommy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I hear some some shades in a couple of songs here. I'll mention, but uh, it's interesting. This story, Lifehouse is uh, according to Wikipedia, Lifehouse is going to set in the near future in a society in which music is banned and most of the population lives indoors in government controlled experience suits. <laughs> like it's really like it's a uh, so, pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, along those lines, um, there's an outtake from Who's Next called Pure and Easy. I'm sure you guys know about Peasy if you're a Who fan. It's from uh, it's on Odds and Sods. Um, but it's that whole concept of when there was no music and then they and then there was a note and it started all over, you know, there once was a note, uh, that whole thing. And I always felt like Rush and Alex Lifeson, being huge Who fans, borrowed that concept for 2112, where the kid hears a guitar in the cave and starts back, back over because the, the you know, the, the technology had taken all the music away or whatever. So I, I know we're going really deep, but... But I think that all started with that Lifehouse concept. And I feel like with 2112 might have been an extension of that later. Wayne, how were you introduced to The Who? Was it was it through any of the songs on this record? 
yeah, absolutely. Like when I started to listen to hard rock um, uh, later in high school, so there's two hard rock stations around here and one was a little more classic than the other. And the who was a huge part of that. And like four or five of the songs on here are, are staples were staples on staples. Yeah. You would hear Baba O'Reilly, uh, uh, once a day, you know, if not, you know, every other day. So all these songs, even, you know, 10, 15 years after they were recorded, we're being played on hard rock radio regularly. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this album was a commercial success as well. So it was a, it was a number one hit in the UK hit number four in the U S I was going to look to see what kept it out of the number one spot, but I totally forgot. Um, and you guys knew I was going to bring up the Rolling Stone 500 greatest I figured albums it was coming. of all time. Cause I do that all the time. Um, <laughs> 2020 list not as kind as the 2012 list so this drop from number 28 in the 2012 list you guys know what number it is now on the list if it dropped any further than the top 50 that'd be silly um it is number 77 now that ain't right (laughs) eight eight years drops at 50 spots come on there's no way no all right all right, so the, the here here are a couple of the albums that uh, leapfrogged over it. Um, College Dropout from Kanye's now number seventy four. Loveless from My Bloody Valentine is now number seventy three. Um, Jeff Harvest Harvest is seventy two. That's great, great record. Yeah, right. you know how I feel about Neil Young, so I'm not going to complain about that. But no, we won't complain. About so, all right. Yeah, lists, um, lists are silly. They are. Agreed. Unless we're writing them. Unless we're writing them. <laughs> yeah. I, they're fun if I they're just, your own, but. Right. Yeah. I just like bringing them up because it's such a. Of course. It gives context. It, it offers some sort of a context or something for people that are listening to it to go, you know, it raises their ire or they go, I agree or whatever. So, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else for background before we jump into track by track? Guys, ready to do it? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, a little one more background thing I might add is it was this was when Pete, Pete started um, dabbling with synthesizer and um, arpeggiated loops with the synthesizer. This was the album, oh, and boy, I think <laughs> from re- yeah, and I think from reading his um, autobiography that this was when he set up a studio somewhere different than before like he had he set up a new studio after tommy and before this project if i'm not mistaken as well um that he ended up using for years after but um Love it. anyway all right let's do carry this on. as a reminder our scoring is going to be based on number of songs on the record wayne how many songs on this one nine which means top song is going to get nine points next favorite song eight points on down to lowest score of one and let's kick this off 12-year-old me would have said, let's start it off with Teenage Wasteland. <laughs> but it's, we, we know correctly. All right, so here's Bob O'Reilly. I didn't know this until last week. 
So the song's title combines the names of, is it Meher Baba and Terry yes. Riley? So this, this, these are two of Townsend's, I guess, mentors. Yes. Or he views those as mentors. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know who Meher Baba was. Did any of you guys know that? I didn't look any further into it. I mean, his name came up several times. I know he was very influential to Pete. Uh, a guru. Okay. And then yeah. how about for Terry Riley? Do you guys know Terry? Now he's a, I mean, he's I don't a, a composer. Yeah, I don't yeah. So, um, so Mark, let's let's start with you. What what is it oh. about this song? Is it is it is it the is it the guitar work? Is it the the uh, the the keyboard? What? Oh man. Okay, where do I begin? Okay, uh, first of all, I I want to say. Mayor Baba started a, uh, uh, you know, what do you call it? Whatever you call it, or whatever in, in Myrtle beach, um, oh, okay. South Carolina. And Pete had Pete visited it before. And I, so I know that about him. Um, and it, he was a guru that, that Pete thought very highly of. Um, and I, and the teenage and part of the title is a reference to Woodstock, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this was written in the wake of Woodstock and their, their bad, their somewhat bad experience. I really like watching the footage of them there. Um, but the brown acid and all that, and they had a bad experience. And, um, and I think teenage, the teenage wasteland was in response to that, if I'm not mistaken. But for me, this song, okay. I didn't understand the arrangement of it until I was like in my thirties or something like that. When if you watch the live version of this, that's on the kids are all right. You can see what happens with the arrangement. It's so amazing. So it's obviously it starts off with the arpeggiated synthesizer, which in itself is amazing. Like it's just it's just it, as soon as you hear that noise, it takes you to a place. You know, the lick starts. The lick starts on piano. Um, the boom 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 is on this beautiful sounding you know piano grand piano in the whole first verse over just the piano and then john comes in on bass with the vocal and so there is no guitar until after the first verse and when i did i did i did it was already so powerful i, I never thought about that until i saw the live version of the kids are, that's on the kids are all right and pete's just playing a tambourine all through the first verse dancing around he's he's going absolutely nuts going out of his mind and all of a sudden he just whizzes the tambourine into the audience and hits the power chord at the end of the first verse and that was one of the greatest the only thing that equals that to me is the same one that happens on we don't get fooled again uh, when they when after the synthesizer break and they come flying out of it so such a powerful moment that happened. pete sings the bridge which i always thought was really cool cool in their songs when they with arrangements whenever there was a part that they they wanted to take a different little nuance on because of maybe the way the song was written or whatever pete would sing the bridge or sing a little different part it happens a couple of times on the album yeah. and so that's pete singing don't cry don't waste your eye and um i thought it was really cool and then the ending of that song who came up with that where they just start like going into a lowdown and there's like a Maybe a violin comes in, and yeah. I can't tell if it's like a harmonica or something. <laughs> like all kinds of great noises happening, and then 
for the life of me, I, I've never been able to end with the band on the end. Like at the end, I, I can never figure out the timing on that. It's like, I, I don't know who came up with that, but it's absolutely spectacular. I have to think. And that, I'm done now. Thank you. <laughs> I have to think that Keith Moon probably had a lot to do with that ending. Cause there, because <laughs> yes. there is that ah. frenetic energy ah. which he just has. It totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Wayne, what do you got on Bob O'Reilly? Yeah. And like I say, Tech, a lot of the things that, that Mark said, I mean, the dimension that is added by using Pete Townsend, because I don't, Pete Townsend does not have what I would consider a conventionally pleasing voice. But when you use it in just a little bit to contrast this incredible voice of Roger Daltrey, it really gives the whole thing a lot more dimension. Yeah. Um, but this is probably one of the best openers that there is on a record. But when you come, when you think about the combination of the, 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 rec- the album, the track that starts it and the track that closes it, I don't know if there's a better opener-closer combination anywhere else. Like, yeah, my yeah. favorite record is Appetite for Destruction, so Welcome to the Jungle and Rocket Queen is not even anywhere near Bob O'Reilly and Won't Get Fooled Again. So this is the way you start a record, because that, like he was talking about with that violin, even that organ beginning, normally taken on their own, they would kind of have a very grating nature to them, but like it brings you in and then they start adding on to it, the piano, then the drums, and then the whole thing starts. And then when they end it with this violin just gets more and more frantic. And then it really feels like, look, I mean, it fits into that context of a concept because it's like, here's what's next. I mean, arms wide open. Now listen to the next eight songs. Um, and you and you want to like it goes a minute over a minute and you it feels like 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. This this is a mind blowing song. It's 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 one of it's one of my top ten songs. I would have to think. I, I can't make that list. I can't figure out how to how to make the top ten songs all time. But it's got to be in my top ten songs. It is an absolutely just. It, it's a transcendent song. It's one that I've seen. I've seen them do it live twice. Uh, I've seen Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam ends a lot of shows with Bob O'Reilly. Um, it's it's a it's mind blowing live. It's absolutely astounding. It's it's funny because there are some songs on this album that start to they they have been used so many times commercially um, that it's tough to separate a couple of songs from them. Yeah. But this is one that gets used commercially in trailers and things like that. That it it just adds to everything it touches. If if you have a trailer with Bob O'Reilly in it, I'm instantly interested in that film. I want to see, including like Bugs Life. Bugs Life was one of the ones I remember. I remember the opening like teaser to bug's life and it adds this credibility to anything that it's attached to in a way that is uh phenomenal and when i read the lyrics on it you do start to get an a concept uh between this and when you get to don't get fooled again of how that concept album might have come together and it is a little intriguing when you see some of the lyrics you know the the Sally take my hand, travel south, cross land, put out the fire, don't look past my shoulder. Like it's starting to, the story is starting to uh, be there a little bit, and it does make me intrigued of going. I kind of do want to know what story, even though I love the fact that we don't have to listen to this with a through line. I do want to know a little bit more about that Lifehouse story because I love yeah. the other stuff that they've done. I love Tommy. I love Quad- Quadrophenia. Like yeah, I, you see part of it. When you get into it, when you dig into it, and like this song, a lot of the songs will have some specifics. But I love how they they absolutely stand on their own. Like the 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 very defiant part of that first one, it really, right. you know, I mean, I was young and underpaid and had some kids, and I had all of these 
these these things on my back and you could I could when I would hear this song I would see I, that I would see myself in that character and I what I think is one of the things that I missed for a lot of years is the this there's something romantic about the line don't look past my shoulder uh because I can just see somebody holding the woman that they love and it's like everything everything you need to know is in front of us like nothing behind there it's all in the everything is in front of us now everything past my shoulder is irrelevant there's a there's definitely a romantic and sweetness to that line that I didn't get for a lot of years. This has one of my favorite lines of all time in any song. It's it, it's I feel like it's so relevant to so many situations in, in our world, it, it, more so maybe today. But the concept of I don't need to fight to prove I'm right. I don't need to be forgiven. It is such a beautiful, like, concept in in terms of a lyric. Uh, I don't have to fight. I, it also I, speaks I, to what you were just saying, Wayne, as far as like leaving everything behind. Like, yeah. I don't need to be forgiven. Let's just move forward. Let's keep going. It speaks to that as well. Lack of lack of regret. Lack of like, I'm not looking in the past. I, I'm not lock, looking past my shoulder. I don't need to be forgiven. It is what it is. I've done what I've done. Here we go. And I, I love it. And, and I think to, to echo what you were saying, Wayne, I think this is probably, this is the best opening track I've ever heard on an album. <laughs> I I don't know if I can argue with that. I, I'm right there with you. All right, let's get scores because um, we do have eight other songs to talk about because we could do a whole episode on just Bob O'Reilly. All right, yeah. this is this is my nine. It it fits all the criteria for me. Punch me in the face. Um, set up the rest of the album, and I feel like that does it for me. So this this gets my top score. Wayne, your score? Eight. Uh, Mark, eight, and Jeff. Wow, I really thought we were going to go uh, unanimous on this. I'm surprised. I mean, I'm guessing where the other ones are for them, but this is my nine. Like when you assigned the album, uh, there was no question to me. I knew this would be my top score right yeah. from the get go, and I kind of tried to talk myself out of it. And I couldn't get there. Nope. Uh, I knew that this was my top score. All right, uh, next song, bargain. One thing I read was that Pete Townsend says this is his favorite song on the album. I know that Bargain sort of um, <clears throat> lent itself to uh, some of Mayor Baba teaching, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, I remember reading something about it. And if it's not Baba, it's, it's sort of spiritual for sure. And uh, I don't have the lyrics in front of me, but you can definitely. You know, it's like if I if I give myself to you, then I will have eternal love. I call that a bargain. It's kind of the, yeah. what the song is about. And I didn't I didn't know that until I read Pete's book. Like I never knew any of that when I was a kid listening to the song, trying to figure out what the hell he was singing about. You know? Yeah, that and that makes sense because there is a, a Zen like quality to some of the lyrics. I think you just kind of kind of quoted a little bit. The I'm uh, I'd gladly lose me to find you. I'd gla gladly lose me to find you. Yes, right. That's and give up all I got to catch you. So, very spiritual. Yeah. Very yeah. sort of uh, 
almost Christian, that sense of Christianity of like, uh, you know, the, that's what Jesus asks in the, in the Bible too. You lose yourself to find me, you know? Yeah. So I think it even goes past whatever the Baba he was dealing with at the time were, and it, it speaks to some Christian beliefs as well, but it's very spiritual. It works as a love song. I mean, though lyrically, it's very much a love song. It's a love song to a deity, I, which I learned. Which my favorite part about that is the swagger that Roger Daltrey sings it with. Like you would think, if you're going to sing about your uh, how much you love a deity and how much that they're saving your life and it's a bargain for their, you would think there'd be some humility. But Roger Daltrey does <laughs> no. not have any. It is no. full of. He's got a voice that has authority, and he is like. It's all swagger. It's it, and he that's, hits some of, no that's my favorite part. And he hit some notes in that song that are, I mean, through the roof. The best I ever had. I mean, hitting that note full voice. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. Well, the pants were tighter back in the early 70s. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, yeah. This song has, has great lyrics. It should do better for me. This song has been a little bit ruined for me. It has been ruined because I have seen it in so many uh, President's Day car ads uh, and <laughs> mattress sales, and I just have or, or, or knockoffs of it, or uh, it, it's that that it's it's gotten so commercialized, and 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 it just got kind of ruined for me in a way. So when I sit back and I listen to it, and I look at the lyrics, it's it is a fantastically written song. The lyrics are super cool. There's so many nice things in it. As a listener at this point. The song kind of got ruined for me, and so that that yeah. definitely reflects in my score. Fortunately, it's it's one of the ones I can't quite get away from. It's another one where Pete sings the bridge. You know the um, yeah. Uh, I said, looking round, I look at my face in the mirror. That's that Pete does just that part. You know, again, it's like the sort of calm in the in the middle of the storm or whatever. It's cool. Yeah, to uh, to to just show you, I don't know if you can see that, but I I circle on my score sheets the what the hell are you thinking? And so Jeff, that was that was one of my what the hell are you thinking? Giving <laughs> I, that, go go ahead and tell your score. I give it a three. I I, I, okay. I work in marketing. I've spent my whole career in marketing, and, yeah. and marketing sometimes ruins songs for me. Like I was saying with Baba, it never did. Baba was always always lent itself to whatever it was in and elevated it. Yeah. A lot of their stuff has been used a lot of times. In fact, the last song on this album, you know, the CSI almost hurts it a little yeah. bit for me. It almost does, but it's too good and it transcends it. This one, it's because it's all the car sales and all the I'm I'm very keyed in on on the way that music gets used in marketing. And it just, it, for whatever reason, I can't think of it without thinking of buying a mattress. And I don't know why. It's just, <laughs> it just, it hurts the song for me and I can't help it. And yet when I read it, read the lyrics, it's awesome. I, I know it's a great song. I just, I, I want to buy something every time I hear it. All I want right. to I I buy the best mattress or car <laughs> or waterbed. Takes me back to that waterbed sale in the 80s or something. Yeah. I feel for you, brother. Yeah. 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 All right, Mark, what was your score on Bargain? Number six. Okay. Wayne? So, yeah. Also a six, I think there's some great guitar work. And Keith Moon, um, gosh, what a Oh, man. We haven't gotten to that part yet. So just when you think the song's over at the end and it's starting to fizzle out, he just goes off. And it, like, takes the song back up to that level for a little while. And then Pete does some sort of cool synthy stuff over it. And like, there's no more singing. It's just like this jam. And again, I, I would say that that probably came from Keith. It's this, this you know, frantic sort of yep. 
part that it's very Keith Moon. Very much so. All right, this is my six as well. All right, uh, next song is... Sorry, guys. Sorry. I know. It's it's all good. It's all good. You didn't tank it out of the top five. I mean, you know. <laughs> um, all right, Love Ain't For Keeping is next. At two minutes and ten seconds, this is the shortest song on the record. I, I do have to ask you guys a question. So it, the 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 song starts out with laying on my back in the newly mown um, grass. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I have allergies. That's allergies. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> that's not. <happening. laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have a sneezing fit during that for sure. That's uh, and a back. I mean, what, what if you had a blanket down? You know, maybe, maybe. But yeah, the, the stuff's maybe. in the air, Mark. It's still gonna be in the air, and I'm gonna be gotcha. sneezing. Yeah. So if that's supposed to be romantic, <laughs> it's not going well. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's not working. But the kids are asleep. This might be your only chance. Yeah. Well, we're gonna get a take rash, a Claritin. Then. We're gonna get a rash. <laughs> <laughs> take a Claritin. I absolutely love love this song and. I only gave it a two and I still absolutely love that's how much I love this record. Um, I think it's, it's really sing alongable. Like the melody is just beautiful. Um, and, uh, I think it seems like it has a little Bob Dylan influence to it. Um, and then I think there's like this really cool acoustic guitar lick at the end of the song that Pete does, just, just when you think it's over, he does like a little, like so it's just the coolest little, and you're like, damn, that dude can really play, you know. Yeah, yeah what Ryan, I love anything? is after, well, we just came off of two five minute, you know, songs with these with all the with elaborate or you know musicality, and then this has got a very bluesy feel to it, and that acoustic guitar, and like I say, Keith, this is maybe some of Keith Moon's best stuff, and so it just really compacts and really it's. It's pound for pound. I mean, it has a lot of uh, punch in this song. Yeah, for sure. All right, Jeff, anything before we get scores? I, I'm the same as Mark on this. I think it's a beautiful song, and, and yet it's a low score. But there's not that many songs on the album, so most scores feel kind of low. It's not like we're doing you know, your Vampire Weekend that you guys just did where you get 18 songs. On an 18 song, this is probably a double digit. It, but it's a, it's a beautiful song that scores four for me, but I think it's fantastic. It's just such a cool, cool vibe. And I think the Dylan thing is... Uh, pretty apt for this. I, I think it's got that feel. Yeah, I'm matching Mark's two, um, and I hate I hate that I'm giving it a two because I do love this song as well. There's really yeah. I mean, it was hard. It was really hard to to do that, but like I something's got to be two. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right, Wayne. What was your score? I'm matching Jeff's four. Okay. Uh, next up is my wife.
this is the outlier, I think, on yep. the record. For at sure. Least for, at least yeah. for me. Um, for sure. You, you have... You you have Roger Daltrey who is a fantastic vocalist. You have Pete Townsend who is who is also uh, you know uh, he's the Keith Richards. To, I mean to yeah, the, to yeah. Mick Jagger. He's got a he's got a different kind of voice. But when he cool. there's a song on here when he when it's when it's for him, you know it. And then to like say that to me, it's all those other songs were taken from a specific project. Yeah. And there's something inside those songs that links them together. They don't sound the same. They've got these different things, but there's something about them that does give them, does, they feel it, it's a, got a very cohesive feel. I like this song. I think it's, I think it's got a sense of humor. I think it's got a great rock kind of uh, sound, but it, but it does, it feels like it doesn't fit though. Just, just from the fact that these other eight songs were taken from the same project and they definitely have this, this, you know, this community about them. They all seem to fit together. And this one is, while I think it's a great song, uh, my only co- my only thing I would say about it is for a guy whose life is in jeopardy, he has kind of a laissez-faire kind of way about it, where uh, there's yeah. no sense of urgency. But uh, other than that, I, I really like this song. But it just it I gave it my lowest score because it doesn't it doesn't fit. So let me ask you this: so it, so it's it's sung by by John and Wessel, who bass guitarist. I, I don't know how many songs John actually sings in the discography. Um, the song doesn't include Roger at all. Um, you don't hear him at all on the on this. If Roger would have sang it or if Pete would have sang it. Well, here's the funny thing, Ben, because when you, if you just had me read the lyrics of this yeah. song, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to love this song. Like, I'm going to love wherever this is going. Yeah, I love this song. Because Wayne, like Wayne said, it's a little cheeky. There's some some yeah. some some pretty interesting kind of tongue in cheek things about how in trouble he is with his his wife for, you know, being out and blah blah blah. I, so if I just read the lyrics, I'd be like, this song's gonna kick ass. And then when I hear it, it's just it. I don't even. Con- it's hard for me to even connect the song with the lyrics. I don't pick them out. It doesn't play the same way. This was originally intended for Ant Whistle's solo album, um, it, and it got added super late. And it. Uh, it kind of almost sounds to me like a, a demo level recording in a way. It doesn't have the same real polished sound that some of the other stuff does on here either. In terms of the vocals, don't yeah. the, the vocals don't stand out? They're the the way that they're mixed. They don't kind of pop out the same way. And I do think if you would, you know, if you had given this to Daltrey, it is probably a killer song. But it just for whatever reason, I don't quite connect with it. Uh, the lyrics are cool though. It's a great read. It is. It's still fun. It really is. It's still yeah. fun. It's still fun song. Re- I highly agree with all of your comments. Um, I do really like the song. Um, it, it does not seem to fit the record. Um, I totally agree with that. But I still like listening to it. And I, I, there's a one thing that keeps it to the level of the rest of the record is the way the horns come in on it at the end there's something about that that makes it makes it big and majestic and kind of memorable um in a way that um you know it, it makes it stick out a little bit on the album i don't to, i can't remember any other real horns yeah. on the record that, that's you know a, and, and there, yeah and so that's kind of cool and and i agree that the lyrics are kind of cheeky and fun but it doesn't necessarily fit the music or fit the album <laughs> it's just a little yeah. bit off yeah. um there are other ant whistle songs that i that I really like, but I, this one is not my, is even. Um, 
Yeah. It is still a good song and a, and a fun listen. I gave it a one though. I gave it the last, the lowest possible score. Yep. Matching your. Did we all do that? Oh, uh, I did. Jeff. I also gave it a one. Yeah, I'm a one as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. Solid ones. Solid Consensus. Ones. Yep. All right. Next song is the song is over. The circling of the score sheet. So Wayne, I, you know yourself. what? I, I'm going to I'm going to start with what I love about this song. Okay. The chorus, uh, Roger Daltrey. Even the music, uh, the guitar, and the lyrics and the dynamics of the. I love the chorus. I absolutely love it. Uh, what I don't like about this song is the verse. There's it's it's got a it's got a boring nature to it. And once again. I love Pete Townsend. I love him as a composer. I love him as a guitar player. I love him as a rock star. But as a singer, like I said, he's not conventionally pleasing to the ear, and he gets too much time. Uh, I was going to say, I, I hear what you're saying there, but it, it, I think the voice is strong on this one. I th- it, doesn't, it's, it carries the song well. I agree. Um, there's, there are some strange arrangement things in the verse, but I think this is where... In this album, you can start here where there was some concept stuff going on, and he and, and he's doing those arrangement chord changes like he does in Tommy and Quadrophenia, where he'll jump to a different key and that sort of thing. And then, and so I think that's I, I like that about this song. And then you're right, the chorus is just absolutely spectacular. Yeah. And then when you get to when you get to the end, you it, it, again leaning back to that concept thing, you start to go into the there once was a note, pure and easy kind of vibe. And uh, and then on the odds and sods version, it actually goes into it. So I think if this were a concept album, that's what you would have heard. You would have heard "Song Is Over" into "Pure and Easy" uh, as part of the the story, uh, which is I always found really interesting about this particular track. But but it, I think it also stands on its own as just an amazing, beautiful song. Yeah. Playing off of what Mark said a little bit when he mentions uh, Tommy, that's one of the reasons I love this song because I hear so many shades of Tommy in the places it goes uh, musically. I think it goes so many interesting places. It's It starts out in such an innocuous way where it might just sound like a lounge type of a song, but it goes into so many interesting places musically and lyrically and uh, I, I just think it's such a cool song, and I do really actually like his voice on this. I I do uh, prefer um, Daltrey most of the time, but this I think uh, you know Townsend really fits this for whatever reason, and it's yeah he carries it. Yeah, I, it's such a cool song to me. I, I I think it's very epic, and it just goes a lot of different spots. And and I, I epic's I like a good it. word for this song. I, I like being along for that journey, so I'm I'm into it. Yeah, and we haven't even mentioned so um, piano work by Nicky Hopkins. Yeah. Which we've already talked about Nikki on a previous Stones right? I wonder, I mean, I'm sure he's the one playing on Bob O'Reilly too then, probably. I probably should have looked at personnel. I'm I'm assuming, yes, because he's on a couple couple songs on this on this album. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh song is over. Jeff, your score? Uh, I'm a five on this. Uh matching your five, Mark. Me too. All right. Five. 
Wayne. Uh, I only gave it a two. Like I say, I He's I the love the chorus. I absolutely love it. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> time, time time to flip over the record. So this is getting in tune. just going to throw it over to mark because you you gave it the the highest score out of all four of us um what is it about uh, this song that you really dig oh um i gave it a four yeah um I, you know it was between getting it so getting in tune and song is over to me um bridge between all the big cut bob o'reilly bargain won't get fooled again and the concept and so I, I hear the concept in getting in tune and song is over. I hear where the, I hear, I hear it in there. I hear it. And so, um, and just like song is over, I feel like getting in tune is epic. I love that you use that word, Jeff. I feel like um, it, it's, it's kind of, it has that really classic vibe to it, you know, sort of like an epic song. Um, and it fits that bigger story thing to me once again. So it, it, there's like, five or six songs of this record that have that feel to it. And this is one of them. It's, it's just, um, it's big. And, and Jeff, my apologies because I was not looking at the score sh- sheet, um, well enough. You had the highest out of all four. I of do. Us. I love this song. Yeah. I, I love this song and I think it works on a couple of different levels. Um, it works on the level of, it does make me imagine again about that concept album. And I, I think I dig the fact that this was a concept album but didn't get there because it lets me take it wherever I want to. So it's not walking me down the exactly. path Tommy. And so exactly. I do play around with the thread while at the same time just enjoying the individual uh, cuts themselves. But I like that this one works on both levels for me. I can really feel it in, in terms of that concept. But I also love the idea that it could be about a number of things. It could be him talking to a girl. Like, I'm, I'm saying these things because it sounds good coming out of my mouth. I'm playing yeah. this note because it fits in well with, you know, um, with, with, or I'm, I'm singing this because it fits in well with the notes I'm playing. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, that's all it's about. I'm trying to be right in tune, and it doesn't matter if it's honest or it means anything, but here's what I'm doing to get in tune with you. Yeah, it's a beautiful little message. Yeah. I, yeah, I love the yeah. fact that you can you can have a couple different uh, interpretations of this, and all of yeah, them and are I think, right. Yeah, it absolutely. Like I say, it stands on its own. I mean, and I and looking at it, that whole idea of getting right with God. I mean, this is the one from what I read along the lines of bargain. This is where that spirituality. He's trying to reconcile his spirit, his newfound spirituality, with being a rock star, and. That first, that first verse is about work, you know, chords and songs and, and what he does for a living. And the second verse, uh, when he references that, you know, I mean, do you come here often? That's a classic pickup line. So it's his, his love life. And it's all, but he's all trying to get right with his higher power 
And, to the straight and I, narrow, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's <laughs> and that I mean it, it stands absolutely on its own. Like this is not your mama's number 3. This for any any other record to be my, you know, to be a you know, a number 3. I absolutely love this song. This is one of this is a great song. My mom doesn't listen to the podcast so she wouldn't have given this a 3. So I love that idea. I can't pretend there's any meaning here or in the things I'm saying. And again, again, back to Wayne, what you said about pickup line. I love that is like, I'm just saying the things I'm supposed to be saying. Um, and it can work in a marriage. It can work in a pickup line. It can work in, you know, a job. There's so many relationship parallels or, you know, higher power or whatever. I'm going through the motions because I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I mean, who hasn't been there at some level at some point in their life where you just, I'm rolling through it, man. And I, you want me to say something else? I'll say something else. So you want me to play a different note? I'll play a different note. Uh, I can do that. I love the, I love the, so- the song, ref- I mean, the sort of musical references that you guys were talking about in the first verse there. Cause as a songwriter, like sometimes you, you just sit down and, and you're making a noise, like you make a noise and it starts to feel right. And you, and you say, Oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to sing about the fact that I'm playing this, you know, sometimes it is that simple. And that's what he does in that first verse, you know, and, uh, as a songwriter, like it immediately like tunes you in to listen you're like, Oh, that's, that's really cool that he's, that he uh, is referencing that. It almost works on that funny level as well of like, here's a songwriter just going, I'm just going to sing, so I'm singing, I'm singing something, or like chopping broccoli or something, you know, Dan yep. Harvey, you know, it's like, I'm just, yeah. uh, you know, the, he's just yeah. like, I, I don't have any singing these here, notes because they fit in well with the chords I'm playing. That's exactly. it's that simple. A, you know? So it works on that yeah. level too of even just sort yeah. of like a songwriter being really honest and vulnerable, which is yeah, super yeah. cool. Yeah, I love it. It is super cool. Yeah. All right. This is my three as well. Uh, Mark, what was your score one more time? I gave this one four. Did I getting yes. in tune is has a four. And then Jeff, what was your score? Uh, mine's a six. All right. Uh, next up is going. What was Wayne? Oh, uh, sorry. Three. Okay. All right. Next song is going mobile. I did a dad thing this 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 uh, last week. So we were going through Mobile, Alabama, through the tunnel, <laughs> and I turned this on. I said, "This is this is the theme song for for this area." And um, my boys both looked at me like, "This is pronounced like mobile." <laughs> so, anyways, uh, you're mean. I love a good dad joke, so it felt very yeah, dad funny. joke. So, um, yeah, that's go. funny. Um, all right, I I mentioned uh, an earlier song that did does not include Roger Daltrey. This also does not include Roger. This is a full on Pete Townsend song. Yeah, and, and and like like Happy and Before They Make Me Run, this song is perfect. It needs. It needs to be a little raggedy. It needs to. It needs a voice that's not conventionally pleasing to the ear, um, and he really just nails the humor and the the outright rebellion that's in this song. And only he could do. Only Pete Townsend could do it right. Yep, I agree. It's a classic. It's it's one of the ones you hear on the radio all the time that you guys are mentioning. 
earlier, like it's it's a classic rock radio classic. Um, I grew up listening to it. Um, it's got great energy. It's mostly acoustic, right? I don't even if there's an electric yeah, guitar. I don't think there's an electric guitar. I, I, I Keith yeah. Moon, who I haven't mentioned in a few tracks, is is a superstar on this. And yeah, it's yes. a lot mostly acoustic. How, what other band could have a drummer play that busy over acoustic guitar? I mean, my God. <laughs> I don't care about pollution. I'm an air conditioned air conditioned gypsy. gypsy. <laughs> Fantastic yeah. line. Yeah. You guys it's realize my solution. that they have never performed this song live. Well, no. I, you have to you, you have to have Daltrey sit down through the whole thing, probably, right? That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, maybe. With Keith not being around either, I don't know if you could you maybe. could do it. Maybe that's it. Maybe right. that's the reason. All right, um, scores. This is my four. Wayne. Oh, there's a there's a cool. Um, oh, go ahead. There's a really cool. There actually is an electric guitar in this song, and I, I believe it's like through a very distorted wah pedal or something, uh, and it's going on throughout the track, and especially towards the end. Um, we, you, I want you all to listen again at some point. Okay. Pick out what the instrument is. I believe it's an electric guitar through a distorted wah, but I have to. I would have to listen again too. But the, there's something going on that makes it. That's a unique sound. It, he's not using it on any other song. Gotcha, gotcha. It's like an envelope filter or something. Uh, you know. Very cool. All right, I'll listen yeah. again next time I go through Mobile, Alabama. Beep, all right. Beep, uh, beep, beep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wayne, what, what's your score on uh, going mobile? Oh. Watch the police and the tax man miss me. I gave it a five. All right. Uh, Jeff? Uh, two. I just don't have enough numbers. All right. Mark? Three for me. I, you know, it's like I freaking love this song, but it's just not as much as all the other ones. I get it. All right. This is my four. Yeah. All right. Um, and this is how you end an album. These next Ooh. two songs. All right. Yeah. Uh, next up. Good behind, Lord, yes. Behind Blue Eyes. But my dreams, they are as empty as my conscience seems to be. I have hours only lonely. My love is vengeance that's never free. Who wants to get started on how great a song this is? Oh, God. Talk, talk about the, like a, the concept, but also standing on its own. Um, you know, this one, this one does that through and through. Um, I love the E sus chord at the beginning, and then he never goes back to it ever in the song again, other than just as a passer, real quick passing thing. But he plays a f like fully arpeggiated E sus chord through the whole intro and then just. Never does it again the rest of the song. Um, the harmonies are just angelic on this. Um, then that bridge when they just rock out and the lyrics, oh my God. Uh, yeah, this, this, this song is just so phenomenal. I, it was one of the first songs I ever tried to learn when I was in high school. And my cousins had this video of me trying to play it <laughs> before I knew, it, knew what I was doing. It. But I was still trying to learn it when I was like 18 or something, you know. 
Um, and now I, I cover it all the time. Um, when I do acoustic sets, it's one of the songs that I'll cover. Um, I'm in love with this song. Absolutely it's, love. It's so good. Yeah. This is amazing, amazing, amazing song. This was my hardest choice on this album was between my second and third uh, scores. Okay. And, uh, you know, but th- th- I just think some of the things in the lyrics, if I swallow anything evil, put your finger down my throat. <laughs> the, uh, everything about it, there's so much ferociousness to what he, my love is vengeance that's never free. There's such a ferocious quality to, to so many of the things in there. Um, it sounds beautiful and peaceful at the beginning, yeah. and by the end, it's just got this it's got this punch to it that is so aggressive and and really visceral that it's fantastic. Just a killer, killer song. Yeah, I mean, he, he starts, he, you know, he you're right. He he leads you in lies, right? But what's going on behind is this, this you're right, this anger and this, it's really an amazing uh, message there. But like when you jump off of what I said about like Bargain, where this guy is singing a song about how much he loves God with all this swagger and authority. And then he, he does, all of a sudden now he shows this vulnerability that, that Roger Daltrey hasn't done on this album. And he, and he just rope-a-dopes you into this end where it's, um, it it is it's vicious it's super fierce but like i say as someone who has blue eyes this song always hit me personally and this is like I say where where we talk about where it stands on its own like i don't consider myself the villain which in that lifehouse concept this is jumbo this is the villain of 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 it i'm more of an anti-hero but still it has that you know that underdog you know that kind of no one understands me a feel to it but i love how like say this guy who 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 pointed his finger at God and said, I love you, man. Now is God is it, it can break it back. And then at the end, like in a perfect, absolute perfect lead up to the last track is that ending of this song. They really whip you up into a frenzy before they throw you into the last one. Yeah. And this is a this is a hard rock or classic rock staple. What I thought was interesting was this wasn't a huge hit when it was first released. Um, wasn't even released as a single in the UK, was released as a single in the US and only tapped out at number 34. Yet, going back to what you were saying, Wayne, KZOK played this like once a day. Easily. So, yeah so good when i when i'm trying to get a feel for what i think the the concept album might have been like just in terms of vibe i will just play bob o'reilly uh behind blue eyes and they won't get fooled again back to back those three songs and it's just an epic run of just this you're like oh i get a feel for what they were going for here and would have made a great stage show or whatever it was it's very very cool you know behind blue eyes is one of the greatest songs of all time and could easily easily be the best song on this album, but I have it in third place, and I gave it a seven. That's how great this freaking album is. I mean, this this is yeah. we're talking about one of the greatest songs of all time right now with Behind Blue Eyes, and I have it in third place. <laughs> God. I mean, it's my seven as I, well. Yeah, I, I'm in the same, same spot. Here. Seven, seven yeah. for me as well. And it was yeah. tough. Yeah. I had a tough time between this and. and I the thought last this song, would be my favorite song. I mean, I thought remember, it like going into the album, I'm remembering this song, and until I hear the first, the opening notes of the next song, it was. I, I my knew favorite. this wasn't my. I knew it wasn't my favorite because I knew Baba was, but I thought this was my second favorite. I definitely thought it was my second favorite, yeah. I, I, and I was sure of that. And then the more I listened, I was like, it's not. It's not quite there. And and it's it's like a, it's like a two A you know, or a two B. You know, 
It could easily be. Yep. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, won't won't get fooled again is last track. Yeah, this was released as a single in June of 1971 prior to it, uh, the, the full album release. Um, hidden, hidden the UK charts, topped out at number nine, number 15 in the US. And um, you, you guys listened to the singles version. The single version is edited down to three and a half uh, minutes. I, uh, I have yeah, no because, interest in that whatsoever. Yeah. I got no interest in that either. I listened to it uh, over the week, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's not that's not good. That's that's the that's the CSI version. Yeah, yeah. Give me give me eight CSI and a half. cut. Yeah, give yeah. Me eight and and I, a half. I thought that CSI was gonna push this below uh, behind Blue Eyes for me. I thought when you hear those, there's certain th- you just I've, I've seen so many promos with it and the David Caruso taking off the glasses and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> And then when you dive into it, this, you're like, holy crap. This song goes so many places. It stops, it starts, it goes again, and it's just mesmerizing. It's because it's not selling well, it mattresses. Has a, it has a lot yes. of similarities to Baba, too. I mean, it, that synthesizer beginning, it's really, it just feels like it's bringing you all back to where it started. That's why I, what I was saying, as far as a combination of an open and a closer, there are no, there is no better combination. This is how this, especially how you started it. This is how you end it. And what I love about this, as far as standing on its own, um, the is the concept of a revolution. Like um, the best line in this song to me is, uh, "Meet the new boss, same as the old boss." Because any rebellion, and the one I'll use, for instance, is Cuba. The Batista government was horrible. It was, a, and they were terrible. And finally, there's always going to be rebels. There's always going to be guys who want to overthrow the government. And when the common man links up with them and says, yeah, this is ridiculous. We're with you. Let's do over. And then once the rebellion is over, now you've got to form a government. And the first thing you do is get rid of Che Guevara because he's a troublemaker from the beginning. And so now all of a sudden, within a very short amount of time, the, the new boss is just like the old boss. And he's, he's goes into it hopeful knowing that at the end of the day, it's going to end up looking a lot like the last time, but what they do musically uh, and how they do it uh, makes, it uh, gives me goosebumps. Wayne, you just pulled a Dennis Miller moment right there going, diving <laughs> well, into like, I don't want to get off on a rant here, oh, yeah. but all right. All right. Jeff, 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 anything. Uh, fool, fool, fool me once. Uh, shame on me. Fool me twice. Won't get fooled again. That's <laughs> all right. That, yeah. that works. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's always that's always that uh, that that George Bush is when he pulls this out of his ass <laughs> when he was talking about the anyway doesn't matter. Mark, Mark, any like, last... you don't you don't remember you don't remember I don't when he did re- that when George I don't you know when George remember. Bush did that he's doing a speech remember. and he's like fool me once uh, shame on me fool me twice won't get fooled again <laughs> it always makes me laugh. 
right. Mark, Mark, uh, any last comments? I won't, won't get fooled again. Oh, did we lose Mark? Oh, no. I can see there him. He's there. I, I don't know if he can hear us. Mark, can you hear us? Okay. So the power cords that you're referring to in that song, sorry, the, the, the revolutionary lyric, I get fired up about something. I put this song on it, not just the lyrics. And if you watch again, the kids are all right version of this song out of the synthesizer break. And Pete just comes flying off the. All right. Um, let's, let's, let's get scores. Mark, yeah. Mark, what do you got for a score on won't get fooled again? Nine. All right, Jeff. I got a big old nine. I got an eight on this one. All right, Wayne. Oh, I'm matching his nine. All right, uh, and this is and this is my eight. So, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> is it tied yeah. for the top score? We got a tie. <laughs> we got a tie for top. So, Bob O'Reilly and won't get fooled again. Those are our top scores. Um, let me just go down through the rest of the, the the top five. So behind blue eyes, solid sevens across the board. So that's our third, fourth bargain, average score of five point two five. And then rounding out our top five is song is over. That's a solid. Yeah, five, it's a great right? five. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh yeah, I like that those tied to the top. I feel like yeah. I feel like song is over. Getting in tune and going mobile could all be—they're all sort of tied for five to me by me, you know, in my mind. Absolutely. Um, all right. Did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Not that I can think of. Oh, how about the album cover with them on the obelisk or whatever? Yeah, the two thousand and one obelisk. Yeah. Yeah, the monolith, and I think, and I heard that monolith, only Pete yeah. Townsend actually pissed on it. Others, they had to th they had to throw water on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Mark. Thank you so much for uh, for finally picking a, a, a Who record for us. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you, so guys. Much. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for doing one on Cracked Review. Uh, I really enjoyed myself, and um, I appreciate what you're doing. This is Absolutely. a lot of fun, man. So, yeah. This is a lot of fun. Uh, I'm a big, big Hootie fan. It was nice to finally meet you, and uh, just fantastic to talk to you. Right yeah, back at sure. you guys. Cheers. So, Mark, 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 tell people where they can find all the happenings of you um, and also um, info on Hootie Fest. Yeah, uh, Midlife Priceless, my album is available everywhere you, you find music. I made six videos for this album, so check out cool. my Mark Bryan uh, music YouTube page as well. A lot of fun videos on that. Um, the Hootie Fest is happening in January in May co and tickets are still available um and then i'm playing a solo show in maryland at ram's head on stage in annapolis october 15th and there's a few tickets available for that still too so come check it out excellent excellent all right we ask all of our guests so who do you know that we don't know that uh should should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records oh great call um Let's see. Do you guys know Wyatt Durrett? I don't. He's a buddy of mine that's on that song that you queued up earlier called Taking a Ride from my album. And um, he, he and I wrote it together and duetted on it. And he is the songwriter for all the big Zach Brown hits, co the co-writer for all the big Zach Brown hits. And um, also uh, 
Crazy Beautiful by Luke Combs. He's a great songwriter oh, great and, song. um, and just a great guy. Um, and he has a really cool taste in music. So okay. I highly recommend Wyatt Durrett. Okay, sounds good. We will chat offline about Wyatt. All right, all right cool. I got to throw in all of our promos here as well. As a reminder, find all of our old episodes. Go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. You can find us on the socials, at Podcast Records, on Twitter. Wayne is on the Instagram. Where can they find us there? Records Revisited Podcast. And, of course, don't forget to join our Patreon to get episodes uh, early. And if you contribute at the guest revisitor level, you can join us on an episode to talk about one of your favorite records. We've got a couple of those listener uh, episodes coming up soon. Got some Ray LaMontagne. We've got some Ramones. We've got some Bruce. So um, our uh, our listeners are awesome and have picked some really great records to talk about. I'm looking forward to that as well. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. Make sure you buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. And not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited. And we are... Out! Out.